hand in our church. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. I want to say hello to everybody in all our campuses in East County, North County, San Ysidro, City Heights, uh, and online in Coronado. Um, our hearts are heavy uh, for our police officers. Um, I have a very special place in my heart for the police officers. And uh, my son's a police officer. My father's a police officer. Um, we need to pray for our country and pray for our city, pray for our world. Most of all, pray that the people of God would stand up and be the people of God and love and let our light shine bright in this dark time. And it's in the darkest times that our light shines the brightest. This is an opportunity to share the gospel. I can't encourage you all enough to sign a note to the police. We just gave you that. We want to get them to every law enforcement person in San Diego. All you have to do is say something like, we're with you. You're not alone. We're praying for you. Something simple. I spent some time with some police officers the other day and there were tears and heavy hearts, um, they need us to, to, they need to know we're behind them. Amen. Can we give our law enforcement one big hand or one more time? Amen. Let's give them a big hand. Come on. Come on. Amen. 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 Uh, you can stay standing. You can stay standing. We'll pray. And I would also like to encourage you to um, join the police force. Last year they had 300 people signed up to go to academy. Now they have 80. Uh, join the police force. You need a job? They got jobs. And do it in a godly way. Amen. Uh, they have more uh, work than they can handle. Um, and we need them. So, ladies, men, join the police force. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. <clears throat> Lord, I pray we could be a light to our community. I pray specifically now that we could be an encouragement to our law enforcement, that we would write notes to them, that we would tell them thank you. Just say thank you. Go up and shake their hand. Give them a hug. Tell them thank you. Their job is very difficult, very hard. We pray for the family. Uh, the officer that lost the Gu officer de Guzman, we pray you bless his family. Bless the family of the officer in, in, in the hospital. We just thank you so much that we can be here for them. And I pray we would fulfill what you've called us to do, not only to them, but to uh, San Diego. And we could be a light in our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone stay standing. Stay standing. Come on now. <laughs> Get in your ready position. If you are new to the rock, this is what you call the ready position. This is, you, this is your base, okay? <laughs> this, that's, why it's, that's why it's the size it is. It's your foundation, okay? <laughs> Some of y'all got a whole lot of foundation. Just let's lower it right there, lower it right there. Training camp, NFL training camp started yesterday. So now we're in practice football mode. Let's get your hands. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. We are ready. We are ready. We are ready. In Jesus' name, everyone say it, amen. Amen. Give someone next to you a high five. Give someone next to you a high five. Amen. <laughs> Let's see your Bibles on three. <laughs> One, two, three. Say word. 
One more time, Rock Church, all campuses say word. Let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you are a visitor, welcome to The Rock. My name is Miles McPherson. I'm the pastor of The Rock, and it is an honor to be here today. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I um, am learning Spanish. It is a lifelong process. Tantas palabras. Los verbos están muy difícil. Um, and the hardest thing for me in Spanish is understanding when people talk to me, which is very important. <laughs> have a conversation to understand what people are saying to you. And they say, do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? I said, no. <laughs> um, and so my, my teacher said, look, when you're, when you're listening to someone talk to you, don't try to follow each individual word. Try to understand the message that they are saying to you. And that has been very helpful. So I might not get every word. I might not get the grammar because the grammar often is in reverse of English. And by the way, whenever any language is different than yours, don't say it's backwards. <laughs> because that, you're implying that ours is right. It's just different. Can I get an Amen. And that has been very helpful. So when people talk to me, I'm like, okay, I'm getting the idea. One of the most often question, asked questions I get about the Bible is which translation do you use? And I say New King James, but instead of picking what translation, instead of focusing on one translation, you should focus on the message that is being communicated. Because you can get very hung up on individual words and language and this verb and this, this. And, and by the way, all that is, is important. However, every translation you have is a translation. There is no original English. There is no original Greek and Hebrew. And what I mean by that is that the original message is God himself. So everything he communicates to us, to us is through a translation. And what you need to focus on is... The message. Everyone say the message. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Paul speaking, and I, 1 Corinthians 2, 1, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come to you proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I, I, my, my thing was, I wasn't trying to impress you with my words and my even though my words mean something. But the bigger issue was that we know Christ and we have Christ in common. And then it says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my message. And we'll say message. We're not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Uh, we started the series about the Bible three weeks ago. And week one, we talked about the Bible being the father's story of his relationship with humankind. This book is designed to share with us and communicate us the story of the father about his relationship, his desired relationship, his intended relationship with us. It's not a legal book to beat us on the head. It's him saying, here's how much I love you and here's how I want to have a relationship with you. That's the message. And that is very important because everything you read in the Bible or hear about God, Bible or when you come to church, everything you experience about church should be filtered through the message. And the message that God knows everything about you and he loves you 
and he wants to hug you. He wants to bless you. Bless you doesn't mean he wants to give you a bunch of money, necessarily. He wants you to experience the joy of being in his presence. You can have a lot of money and be miserable. Can I get an amen? amen. Those are all the people who have had money. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. You can have a lot of money. You can, you can have no money and be happy. Can I get an amen? amen? Those are all the people who have been broke. <laughs> How many of y'all been broke before? <laughs> Very good. Lift your hand up. Lift your hand up high. Look around the room. You're not the only one. How many of y'all ever had a day where I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent? Can I get amen? How many of y'all had a day I don't know what I'm going to eat? Amen, okay. And then how many of y'all had uh, some, at, at a point in time more money than you really needed? Okay, you need to put that in perspective. Because there are people who don't have any money today for tonight. You have money for the rest of the week. You have money for the rest of the month. So you're rich compared to the world. If you're on welfare in this country, you're in the top 11% of wealth in the, country, in the world if you're on welfare. It's all perspective. So you can have a lot of money and be miserable. You can be, have no money and be happy. I'm sure all y'all are saying, well, can I have a lot of money and be happy? <laughs> and, and so the message, you have to put everything you hear is through the message that God wants to love you. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. That is the message of the book. Now, when you read this, filter through that message. When you communicate this to somebody, filter it through that message. Don't ever use it to beat someone on the head to discourage them because the Bible is a book of encouragement. Don't use your, your message and your theology to drive someone from God. The, the Bible is a book about trying to get someone to God. And so here is a holy God. God is, is, is a God who is a spirit, we're going to read here in a minute, and he dwells with an inapproachable light. I want you to imagine... A sp- God who is spirit, he's not like some man sitting up there with a, with, a, with a club and all these rules. And if you break the rules, he's going to get you. That's not God. God's a God of love. He's a daddy, a good daddy. And one of the reasons the devil wants to destroy fathers in this country is because if he could destroy the concept of father, then you will not understand the concept of your heavenly father. That is a very specific uh, satanic scheme. And so, so he, is, he is a heavenly loving father that the Bible says is a spirit and he, is, he dwells with an inapproachable light and he loves us. And he's saying, how do I communicate my love to people? And however he communicates in written form, in human form, and in spiritual form, which we're going to look at, the Bible, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's a translation. All of those are a translation of what the Holy God wants to communicate to you. So no matter what Bible you read, no matter what translation you read, it's all a translation. And Christ is a translation. The Holy Spirit is a translation. What you need to focus on is what is the message. Now, it doesn't mean you don't read verse by verse. It doesn't mean you don't study the Bible. Yes, but understand the best thing to do is read many written translations. Then you'll get the message. But don't, don't get hung up on one because even the original Hebrew language or the original Greek language of the Bible, that is a translation from the Holy God. Number one of your notes, a holy God who is spirit dwells in inapproachable light. You have to start with God. And if you are standing in the presence of a holy God who is a spirit who dwells in inapproachable light and he would not give you a book, you would sense his presence and you would fall to your face and cry out of worship. That's what would happen. He wouldn't say, read this. He would say, experience me. 
He wouldn't even have to say it. It would happen. You have to start with God always. Don't dumb God down to words on a paper. He is so much glorious than that. He is sitting on the throne and all day and night, angels singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And it's like thunder and lightning and the, and the throne is shaking and there's a rainbow above his throne. It's awesome. The floor is like gold and diamonds. It's awesome. It's not a book. It is a glorious, eternal God that's all uh, uh, omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient. It means he knows everything at the same time. He's all-powerful. He can do anything. That, that God says, how do I communicate to, don't take this wrong, those people who have much less intellectual capacity than me. I have to break it down simple where they can understand that I love them and want to have a relationship with them. You need to know that that's what the intent of this book is and the way he communicates. So look at these verses in your, in your, in your Bible. John 4.24. It says in John 4.24, and it's on the screen as well, God is spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 1 Timothy 6.16, speaking about God, it says... He alone has immortality and he dwells in inapproachable, unapproachable light whom no one has seen or ever can see. You know the Bible says if you ever see God, you die because God is so holy. He's so holy. And yet, and, and he's saying, how do I communicate to you? So he creates, he communicates to us through many things. And one of the ways he does that is he creates people who like to talk like me. He said, I'm going I'm to, I'm going 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 to repeat myself through you. <laughs> and all my life, I never knew why I talked a lot. God, God, I don't even know if I talked a lot when I was a little kid, but God said, I, I, I need you to talk for me. I need you to talk for me. He, he's, he wants to communicate to you. However that message comes to you, it's going to be translated from a holy God into a way you can understand. And one of those ways is he wrote it down. Look at number one of your notes. The, the number two, the written translation is called the Bible. The written translation is called the Bible. So this holy God is saying, I want to communicate to all of you that I love you and that there's a way for you to have a relationship with me. And in the context of that relationship, I'm going to give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I'm going to re restore your life. You're going to be able to glorify me with your life. We're going to have a relationship. You're going to hear me speak to you. You're going to speak to me. We're going to have conversation. I'm going to work supernatural powers through you. You're going you're gonna to govern the world if you, if you do what I'm talking about. You're intended to govern the world and have authority over demonic forces in your life. But how do I communicate that to you? How do I, how do I let you know that? How do I show you that? Well, one way is he, he had, God wrote it down, write it down. We talked last week. How do we know this is the word of God? Because God breathed it. Not because some man said that scripture, that scripture. Man said, we understand that God breathed that. I am my mother sitting over, my mother sitting over here. My, I am my mother's son because I was born of her. It has nothing to do with what any of you believe or know. It's just the way it is. God's word that he breathed and spoke through holy men of God is God's word because that's what he did, not because man decided it. We looked at that last week. 2 Timothy 3.16, it'll be on the screen. All scripture is that which is God breathed. 
and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture is God-breathed. The Bible says that the scripture is living and active. The word of God is living and active. It's alive. It's sharper than the two or the sword. That when you speak God's word, that it can pierce to the division of the soul and spirit. It could go right to your heart. It's alive. It's living. It'll remind you. It'll convict you. It'll encourage you. It'll guide you. It'll transform you. It'll be a lamp to your feet when you're walking in the darkness. It'll light up your path. God's word. And why is it, what makes it God's word? God breathed it. He doesn't breathe death. He breathes life. That's the written translation. So this holy God that dwells in inapproachable light says, I'm going to communicate. I'm going to communicate it in writing. He says, I'm also going to communicate this message in a living form. In other words, I'm going to take the principles of this book. And the teachings of this book, and I'm going to make it into a person. Who? His name is what? Jesus. Oh, come on now, church. One more time. His name is what? Jesus. Look at number two in your notes. The incarnated translation is Jesus. In other words, what translation do you use? Well, I, for my written translations, I use New King James, but there's other translations to read. And by the way, if you're gonna, for the written translations, you should use all kinds of, so you can get, you, you triangulate. In other words, you read New King James, you read Living, you leave the message, and you read all these different uh, versions of the English version, and then you'll kind of get the idea. But there's a living version. There's a human translation of God's message. It's Jesus. Watch this. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says, God, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, I'm sorry, chapter, Hebrews 1, 1, God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Jesus is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, his character, his intent, his heart. Upholding all things by the word of his power. God said, listen, in the past I spoke to my prophets. I gave them dreams. I spoke to them audibly. I did miracles. I showed them visions. And they wrote down what I told them. But in these last days... I'm going to put all my intent, my message in a person, my son. And he's going to come live it. And he's going to live the message of the Bible. He's going to speak the message of the Bible. He's going to love the message. He's going to forgive like I want you to understand the Bible means to forgive. He's going to encourage as though I want you in a way that I want you to understand how the Bible teaches to, to forgive and encourage. He's going to be your living example. And then he is going to do something that will, that every single human forever will understand is an act of love and sacrifice. He is going to die. And when my son dies, you will understand, especially all you parents, will understand beyond a shadow of a doubt my love for you because I'm giving up my son. I was at a conference this week in Alabama at Church of the Highlands in, in Birmingham. Chris Hodges is the pastor and he told one of the most amazing stories about God's love for the lost. He has five kids and he has an autistic son. This is not even my story and I'm going to cry. <laughs> and he, they were on vacation in Colorado and they were on this busy street with all these shops and they were just going to go, you know, eat, he said, as he said, eat their way down the street. 
coffee, ice cream, pastry, da, da, da. Anyway, their son got lost. Their autistic son got lost. They couldn't find him. And he was gone, crowd. And he said, when my son got lost, all my other kids didn't matter. He says, if you're not helping us find him, get out of the way. We have to find him. He's autistic and he's lost and he can't communicate. And there's thousands of people. And he was, he was talking about how God frantically looks for lost people. And how we're all hung up on ourselves. Daddy, I want ice cream. No, our brother is lost. Your brother's lost. We have to find him. This is God's heart for lost people. And he said, this, is, this, this book is intended for that. My son, Jesus, is intended for you to understand I'm giving my son. That's how much I love you. And my son is going to make a sacrifice for you that you cannot miss in whatever culture you're in that this is serious, that he loves you. And so he's, called, he's, he's, got, he's got the police. He's talking to everybody. And sometime later, he finds him, his autistic son, down at the creek, just like lost, looking for daddy. It's like, I don't know where to go. And he's just walking, looking around, scared to death, and he runs to his father when he found him. That's God. That's the message. And when you share the message, when you preach the message, when you pray, you have to understand that is what God is trying to communicate to us, that he loves us. And don't get hung up on this verse, this verse, this verse. Get hung up on the, the verses and the stories in the context of the message that God wants to have a relationship with you. Because once, once he has a relationship with you, then all that, other, that petty stuff goes away. So often we want to get hung up on stuff and use it to beat people in the head and scare them and threaten them and say no. But it's that God just wants to love you and encourage you. And it's like, you, should you say, you, know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. You know, yeah, maybe. And yeah, it's probably true. But what's better is that what you get. I used to do drugs. People say, don't get high. I have fun. God has something better for you. Before I got married, I'd sleep around. Oh, you shouldn't have sex before you get married. Uh-huh. Everyone's doing it. God has something better for you. And be selfish. God has something better for you. Be gossip. God has something better for you. It's not about what you don't do. It's a matter of what you get to do. It's not about who, who you're beating down. It's a matter of who can love you. That's the message. So Christ came and said, I'm going to die for you, and I'm going I'm to illustrate the message. I'm going to die. I love you so much. I'm going to give my life to you, for you, so you can have a relationship with my father. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Don't make it more complicated than that. That's what, this, that's what all these translations are for. This is a translation of a translation. Say, what the original Greek. The Greek isn't the original. The original is God. The Hebrew is not original. That's a, that's a translation. The original is God. And the message of God is he loves you. So don't get hung up on this to beat this. Use this as, just read it for what it is. But understand, you're trying to enter into the presence of God. Number three. Oh, by the way, let me read this other verse. John 1.14, just so you get it. The word, John 1.14, the word, the message of this Bible the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible became a man, and that man is who? Say it. Jesus. Huh. You don't see Jesus doing what? You don't see Jesus acting in a way we use this. Use this in the same way Jesus lived. That's how you understand this. Number three, there's two more translations. Real-time translation, the Holy Spirit. John, John 16, 13. Real-time Holy Spirit, real-time translation. In other words, the Bible was not written to you. 
The Bible was not written to you. The Bible was written for you. In other words, when Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he wrote to a church in Philippi. He did not write to Christians in San Diego. So if you're saying, oh, man, I don't know if I should buy a house in, in, in downtown or a condo in Riverwalk. Okay, let me read the Bible. What is it going to say? It, it, that's, you're not going to find that in there. Johnny, you should live in Riverwalk because it's real close to the mall. and that, That's not in there. What does the word say? The word says, trust God. The word says, pray. The word says, don't be greedy. The word says, be generous. And look what it says in John, John 16, 13. It's the Holy Spirit. This is a good thing that God says. I'm going to give you an ancient translation, but I'm also going to give you a real-time translation. The Holy Spirit, John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. The spirit of truth. In other words, God, um, um, I, should, I, should I buy a condo downtown or should I go to Riverwalk and I'm going to read the Bible and the Holy Spirit is going to say, uh, here's what you need to do. You need one more year in your mother's garage. And you need to double the rent you're paying her. Well, why would I do that? I could still take advantage of her. Because you need to grow up. And you need to understand the budget. Because if you do that faithfully, I'm going to get you a nicer place. And it's going to be the same as what you're paying your mom. And you're going to be in a system. But I'm not going to tell you that. You need to trust me. When the Holy Spirit speaks, you just trust him. And you're like, well, I need to know this. I need to know that. God says, no, no, I want you to walk by faith. You cannot please me unless you walk by faith. I'm not telling you everything. Let me, God is never going to tell you everything. I need to know this. Well, you just, no, no. The message is that the the God who is spirit that that dwells in inapproachable light, that's holy and all-powerful, I trust him. So when he tells you, I'm only telling you this much, I trust you. If you trust him, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know him. So you know him. The spirit of truth. And lastly, there is a slang translation. Slang. Turn to, Matthew, ch- turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14. There was a slang translation. Slang translation. I just made this up actually uh, this morning. <laughs> Literally this morning. I just made this up. Here's what slang translation is. Slang translation is that in the Bible, there's different literary genres or writing styles. There's poetry, there's gospel, there's apocalyptic language, there's uh, legal language, there's uh, prophetic language, there's narrative language, and all those are different literary styles. It's like reading a self-help nonfiction book and a fiction book. It's like reading a, a love novel or a, uh, a science fiction novel. Y'all get it? You write them by different rules and you read them by different rules. When you read a science fiction book, you know it's not real people flying in the sky and all kinds of stuff, you know it's not real. But you, but you get into it anyway, but you already know it, okay? When you read in the Inquirer standing in line at the store and it says blah, 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 that's not real. I hope you know that. <laughs> the problem is a lot of y'all believe all that stuff and then you tell people. You watch TMZ and then you tell people as though it's fact. Okay, so... Slang translation is that you understand the style and what God is trying to communicate. If I said to you, if I saw you at the mall, yo, what's up? None of you would do this. <laughs> Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. 
that slang translation, you know that's slang. What's up? He's, saying, he's not literally saying what's up. He's saying, you know, hi, hi, hello, how are you? Great, good day. <laughs> it's just slang, it's slang, okay? <laughs> good morning, sir. Okay, it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. And when you, when you talk about reading the Bible literally, that's what that means. Reading the Bible literally means reading it according to the slang. That's what that means. So if I say, what's up, in our context, literally means, how you doing? Okay, that's what it means. So when you read, we're, not, we're going to read two things right now. We're going to read them according to a slang, again, a genre called hyperbole, which is exaggeration. So my father, when we were kids, we were making them, we were messing around. He would say, if, you don't, if, you, if I hear one word out of you, I'm going to slap you into next week. He would tell us that. <laughs> and we were like, we would laugh because... Well, I, not in front of him because we will got slapped until next week. <laughs> but we were laughing like, can he really do that? I mean, does next week really exist? I mean, what is he saying? I mean, but we would never say that in front of him. But we were like, and then once we got older, we were like, we would tease him, say, Dad, you're going to slap us into next week? You know, it's like, it's like, but think about that. I'm going to slap you into next week. You can't do that. <laughs> but how many of y'all know what he's trying to say? Okay, okay, y'all got it, okay? So it's hyperbole. So in the Bible, you have hyperbole. You have these statements that are like way out there, and you have to understand the slang. Look what it says in, in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If any one of you comes to me and does not hate his mother and father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. In a few minutes, we're going to call you to surrender your life to Jesus. And Jesus says, if you come... I want you to hate your family. Now, does that mean hate your family like I'm going to go Jerry Krug on him? No. It means that I want you to love me so much that no matter what they say, you follow me anyway. That's what it means. Of course, Jesus, Jesus said love your neighbor as yourself. This is not a contradiction. It's a different slang. I want you to come to me. That's why we have life class. That's why we have life groups. So you can be discipled and understand what this means and understand how to walk with God and, 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 and follow through on your commitment to walk with God. Saying, listen, I'm giving up time in my life to learn about God, to be with the people of God. It's slang. Look at, look at Matthew 5.30. Turn to Matthew 5.30, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew 5.30. It says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I'll read it again. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you. Not only cut it off, but throw it. Just so you don't put it back on. <laughs> For it is more profitable that one of your parts of your body, your members, perish <coughs> with her, excuse me, than your whole body be cast into hell. In other words, if this is causing me to sin against God, cut it off. Does that literally mean, mom, I'm, I'm on the internet and I, my hand keeps typing stuff and I don't like it, so I'm cutting my hand off and then I'm going to chuck it in the, in the river. That's not what it means. It means if you're going to follow Christ, do whatever you got to do. Stop hanging out with that friend. Cut it off. Delete the number. Stop watching that website. And if you can't do that, put a safeguard on your Computer, if you're watching pornography, there's, there's apps that you can put on your computer that if you go to any pornography site, it'll send a message to somebody. Send it to your mother, your wife. <laughs> you misunderstood that. 
Not the app, not the app. Have, them, have it send your mother a message. Is that what this sound like I send the app to your mom? No, that's not what I meant, that's not what I meant. I don't know what y'all laughed at. Maybe I, maybe I misunderstood your laugh. But, but programs, if I go on this website, I'm going to send a message to my mother. Uh, by the way, fellas, if you're married, you should put that on your, on your computer and put your wife in as a recipient of the message. And if you can't do that, get rid of your computer. Amen. But the point is, is that if you're going to follow me, your love for me has to be so great. It pales in comparison to your love for your family. Yes, your family. Yes, your family. That if all your family said, if you follow Jesus, we're done. Okay. My grandmother, I had two, two grandmothers, they both passed away. My mother's mother, my mother's sitting right here. My mother's mother was white. Her family was white. My mother grew up in Jamaica, West Indies. Her family sent her to New York so she wouldn't marry a black Jamaican. So she goes to Jamaica, New York. <laughs> and she marries a black Jamaican in Jamaica, New York. Her family cut her off. I have never met anybody in my grandmother's family, ever. I never seen them. I didn't know about them. I literally, when I was a kid, I was like, where did grandma come from? <laughs> she, we just, it was just one white lady and everybody else was brown. And we never knew her family. It was never spoken. They said, you're done. She says, I love him. She did that. Jesus says, if you, if you follow me, you do that. If your family is not going to set me, you got to pick me. So in a minute, we're going to pray, and you have an opportunity to say, Lord, I understand the message. I understand you love me. I understand you sent your son to die for me. I understand you sent the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I understand if I give my life to you, I'm not going to walk it alone, and that you require everything. So in a minute, we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray, to ask Christ to be your Savior or commit your life to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm going to ask you to come forward in all the campuses. Now, you may be saying, man, that's a lot. Yep, Jesus died on the cross for you. That's nothing. So I'm going to ask all you to bow your heads and close your eyes in all the campuses. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you so much that you made it so clear to us who you are. Lord, you sent, you communicated your message to us in writing. You communicated to us through your son in human form. You communicated to us through the spirit. And you communicated to us in slang in a way we could get it and understand it. Lord, we have no excuse. You communicated to us through nature as well. We didn't even get to that. The heavens declare the glory of God. The visible attributes are clearly seen in everything you made. We get it. We see a sunset. We go, oh, my God. And he said, yep, that's me. I did that. If today you realize, you know what? I don't have any excuse. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I, I'm, I get the message. I get the message. He loves me. He wants me to walk with him. He wants me to surrender my life to him. If that's you, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I get the message. You love me. You died for me. You rose from the dead. 
Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of being hard-headed, prideful. I surrender my life to you. I'm ready to be your disciple. I'm ready to follow you at all costs. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand. If you prayed that prayer, you're saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand. Then I'm going to ask you to come forward in the campus you're in. And the little voice is telling you, you don't need to do that. That's Satan. He doesn't want you to be sold out. He just wants you to be one of those closet Christians, the incognito Christians. Don't ever repeat that. But if you prayed that prayer and you're saying, I don't want to be in the closet. I want to be out. I want to be, I want to be a public Christian. I'm going to ask you to stand here and count to three. One, there's going to be someone there and there all the campuses to pray with you. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. If you prayed that prayer, stay, God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. 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 Very good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, we're going to ask all those people who are standing. In a minute, we're going to ask you to come down to the altar. And as we do that, everyone else, we're not, it's not time to leave. This is time to celebrate. So if you're standing up, come out of your seat, come down to the altar, and let's all give them a big hand as they come on down. Come on. Amen. Let's give them a big hand. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. God bless you. You. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Stay right here. Stay right here. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, thank you. God bless 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 you. Everyone, come forward. Here, come forward. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. All the little kids. All the little kids. God bless you. 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 Amen. Amen. Okay. How old are you? Ten, nine, six, five, eleven. Are you gonna tell me how old you are? <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And how old are you? 11? 11. Hey, man, let's give these people a big hand. Come on. God bless you. Can y'all bring friends to church? Bring friends 
to church. This is not for you. Don't come to church thinking this is for me. It's for the world. Now, you're going to get something out of it. But don't think, oh, I'm just going to go get fed. This is all about me. It's all about people who don't know Christ. We don't want to just have a little inner little uh, private club meeting at all. There are some churches, that's what they want. That is not what this is about. That's not what the, that's not what the Bible says it's about. It's about make disciples saved. They got to get saved. You got to bring friends. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray for all y'all. God wants to have a relationship with you. That's the message. It's so simple. It's that simple. Don't let people complicate it. And he wants to love you. The only trick is that you have to do it his way. It's not, it's not an equal partnership. It's not. He's in charge. He's the head and the neck. In my house, I'm the head and my wife's the neck and she can turn me any way she wants. Okay. He's the head and the neck. Amen. My, 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 my personal assistant, she, my executive assistant, called, she, her nickname is the neck. She walks around and tells the staff I'm the neck. <laughs> and she is. <laughs> we're going to pray for y'all. And then we're going to lead y'all in there. And the rest of us, we're going to cheer for them. Amen? Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for these people. Thank you for their courage. We pray you, pray you bless them. And I pray they focus on your message, that you love them. I pray we read every translation. We interact with every translation. Because every way you communicate the message is the same. It just reinforces itself. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a right turn and walk this way. Let's give him a hand. Let's give him a hand.